0: Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city.
1: Welcome to Graceland Church. Good morning. I want to honor Kelly Patterson, who's here. Uh, one of our overseers, his name is Billy Patterson, and his wife Kelly is here. Can we honor her? She's sitting up here by Jessica. Thank you for being here, Kelly. We love you. I want to reiterate our brotherhood. You'll see the graphic on the screen again. That QR code just takes you men to a Facebook page, and I've realized lots of men these days don't have Facebook, which is probably a good thing. You don't have to get Facebook just to stay in the loop with Brotherhood, so if you don't have Facebook and this doesn't work for you, um, just make sure you're on our weekly email list as a church. Um, We're scheduling some fall things. I want you to mark your calendar for September 29th and 30th. It's a Friday into a Saturday, and some fun things we're actually gonna do here uh, at the Land of Grace, and uh, it's the kind of stuff that um, you ask for forgiveness, not permission, I'm just saying, and it like like shooting, um, what are those things, they're not skeets? Uh, Steven, help me out. Traps. Um, on the land of grace it's our land we can do what we need to do it's going to be a good time everyone will sign a waiver before we get started it's going to be awesome also uh, let me emphasize again our back to school bash uh, pastor heather said that i am getting dunked for sure well i can tell you for sure she is getting dunked tonight let's hear it for pastor heather getting dunked the church has spoken this is not me your your family says this is for you she really uh, fought me in staff meeting on that one but now it's public <clears throat> our youth i'm so excited about what god is doing um i've been helping pastorally as we're in transition uh and before we hire a new youth pastor but we have a phenomenal graceland youth team if you have any interest in being a part of that just let me know one of our team members is samuel Barajas. he was uh rocking the base this morning and he was at the league cup championship last night anybody watched that game nashville versus miami samuel was there because like his childhood hero is messy so he wore his nashville jersey because he didn't want to get beat up but he was rooting for messi if you don't know nashville is our soccer team miami's another soccer team messi is the best player in the world like the only thing to compare him to is michael jordan he now plays for miami they had a championship last night right here in our hometown and samuel told me last sunday or maybe monday whenever it was when we found out they were going to be facing each other at our nashville stadium that he would go into debt to get tickets for that in fact and I don't think he really went into debt. They are pretty expensive, but he was standing up here worshiping. Samuel, I don't. there he is at the stadium. I don't know if I got the picture, Samuel, but he was worshiping at one point when he wasn't playing. We were singing that bridge, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered, because last week Samuel said, Pastor Nathan, pray for me to get a ticket, and so I wanted to get a picture of him standing in front of the sign that said, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered with his hand up, and and say he went to the game, and, and he got to see Messi score an amazing goal. The game went into penalty kicks. It was really phenomenal. The reason I share all that is because Oscar, I'm sorry, Samuel went to great, Oscar's his big brother, Samuel went to great lengths for that ticket because it was very important to him. And there's an opening principle here today. What you're willing to go to great lengths for reveals what's most important to you. That's number one in your notes. When I first met Jessica it became most important to me to win her over so she would marry me so I went to great lengths to date her any, anybody know what I'm talking about like hours on the road money I mean just everything I had not that I had any money at all but I was giving it everything I got my five-year-old son Clay he goes to great lengths right now to do any chore around the house that we will give him to do. Not normal for a five-year-old, but the reason he does that is because he can earn tickets, which he can then turn in for money, which he can then buy toys with. So Clay goes to great lengths to organize the shoes, to sweep the floor, to put away dishes, to help vacuum the car, because the most important thing in his life is buying toys. and. We're gonna start studying the last four chapters of the Gospel of John today, chapters 18, verses 21. And these four chapters are incredible. They show God going to great lengths for your salvation because you're the most important thing to him. For my salvation because I'm the most important thing to him and today's message is called Such Great Lengths. Let's begin reading in John 18, verse one. When Jesus had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Let's pause there for a minute. If you're not so familiar with the chronology of the life of Jesus, we've been studying his three years of earthly ministry. So he spent 30 years in obscurity, and then he spent three years doing public ministry, healing people, declaring the good news of Jesus, inviting people into the kingdom of God. And the the religious establishment of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they ended up seeing Jesus as a threat. So they were already plotting to kill him it was stirring people up in negative ways as well as causing people to follow jesus and now we're at the point where jesus is about to be arrested and we're studying the great lengths that god has gone to for our salvation but just that last part of the verse there look what it says again they were carrying torches lanterns and weapons the they there is one of jesus disciples judas Who's now betrayed him who's now coming towards jesus into this garden where they would go to pray as disciples so he's now leading roman officials religious leaders to this secret place this place where they had team meetings and would meet with the lord and huddle together and they're carrying torches lanterns and weapons and it's just been striking me in a deeper way than it ever has with fresh eyes the great lengths that the Lord has gone to. Why would the life of Jesus end with betrayal like this? Why would they be approaching him with weapons? I've been just in awe of the lengths the Lord has gone to for you and for me. And then look what it says in verse four. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Knowing all that was going to happen to him, he knew what was coming, more than that, he was allowing it. Verse five, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. I had not noticed that in John 18 for, for quite a while. I guess it's been a while since I read John 18. And a few weeks ago when I be, began studying for this, I was struck by how they fell to the ground, and I've studied it, and if you look at the context here, the way Jesus said, I am, is the same way he said, I am, back in John chapter eight, when he was being questioned uh, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he was being cornered, and Jesus talked about Abraham a little bit, and they said, how could you know anything about Abraham? You're a young man, and Jesus said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am, and at that point, they began to plot ways to kill him, because he was declaring, I am, The son of the living god i have come before abraham that's the same statement he made here and it's so incredible that as he made that statement jesus allowed or the heavenly father allowed or the holy spirit or all three of them together a demonstration of god's power to go out that knocked them on their butts it was like this moment of saying i'm actually the one who's in charge here just so you know and it leads to this principle number two no one had the power to force jesus to the cross this was the plan from the beginning no soldier no betrayer no government no mob had any power over jesus number three jesus was in complete control as he willingly gave himself up fully aware of why he was suffering and let me remind you again he chose this path When Jesus put flesh on and became a human and was born as a baby in a manger, which we're about to celebrate as Christmas approaches, kids are running around up there. No, it's fine, Jess. You don't have to. Are you going to talk to them? No, I like it. The noise is good. My wife, Jessica, is our kid's pastor, and she's taking a Sunday off. She's in here worshiping with us. Not only is she not up there with the kids, she's not up here leading worship. Normally, anytime she has a Sunday off, she says, can I please lead worship that Sunday? I'm like, sweetheart, this is supposed to be your Sunday off. And she's like, I'd rather lead worship than have a Sunday off. She's leading worship next Sunday, actually. So she's here just worshiping with us. Jessica, we hear the kids all the time. Let me just ease your ease your mind. And and we love it. Our our elementary kids meet up there. And the louder it is, the better, because it means there's more kids here here in the gospel. You guys with me? And I want kids to have fun at church, so that's... That's our heart. What in the world was I preaching about? I was talking about this line. He was fully aware of why he was suffering. So so the fact that Jesus knew everything that was about to happen means that he always knew what was going to happen, means that when, when they decided this was the plan of salvation, meaning the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, they were signing up. God was signing up. Jesus was signing up for suffering for one reason, you such great lengths. The ridiculousness of this story, the strangeness, how much it doesn't make sense. Why this way? Why would you allow that, Jesus? Why would you possibly allow yourself to be arrested? For you, for me, such great lengths. In verse seven, again, Jesus asked them, who is it you want? Now, let me just say, I would love to have been there during that moment, because he just said, I am he, and they fell back because of the power of God. Then they kind of got up, brushed themselves off. And Jesus said, who is it you want? (laughs) Who was it again? They followed through and said, Jesus of Nazareth. Now in verse 8, Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And when we study this same story in the account in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, we see that Jesus actually healed the servant's ear. Once again, demonstrating that Jesus is going willingly, and this has been the plan from the beginning. And Peter, understandably, who's one of Jesus' right-hand guys, is resisting the arrest he's saying we don't want you to arrest jesus and he's doing it to the point that he pulls out his sword and cuts the guy's ears off that's a hothead right there peter was a hothead. some of you guys are hotheads. you would have been that one cutting off the ear and it's so crazy we're about to look later in this chapter about how peter denied jesus three times just a little bit later in the same evening so he was very courageous right here he pulled out his sword and cut off someone's ear and got rebuked by jesus for Peter got rebuked by Jesus more than once. This time, Jesus says, put that away. Shall I not drink the cup? That means, shall I not take the assignment the Father has given me? He's saying, this is why I'm here. And there's kind of a side note principle for us here, number four. Sometimes what seems obviously right in the natural is actually opposed to the things of the Spirit. Of course, to Peter, it looks like, why would we want Jesus to get arrested? We need him here with us. He's leading this awakening, he is, he's birthing what God is doing. He is the overthrower of Rome. He is the king of the new kingdom of God. We can't let him get arrested. Yet this was the counterintuitive plan of God. And one of the ways this can apply to our lives is, I want to encourage you, don't just look at the world with natural eyes and don't just look at your life with natural eyes, but try to see it in the spirit because things that seem like losses could actually be wins things that we're bummed about, things that discourage us, things that we maybe even fought against to the point of pulling out a sword. Jesus might say, hey, calm down. This isn't the plan. So, so we want to see with eyes of the Spirit. And, and some Christians right now are so up in arms and fearful and filled with anxiety about our world and our culture. And I understand that things are, are moving away from the plan of God fast, moving away, I, I said that wrong. They're moving away from the ways of the Lord quickly but the plan of God is still intact, right? We, we don't have to pick up our sword and start chopping people. We can trust the plan of God. He knows what he's doing. We need to see with eyes of the Spirit. And then in verse 12, we continue reading. The detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus, so he's not being walked away and bound. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. That was Peter's first denial of Jesus. This was prophesied by Jesus back in John chapter 13. Peter was making the declaration that he would never fall away from Jesus. He would give his life. And Jesus just soberly and beautifully said to peter you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows and i don't believe he did it in a accusatory way just in this is the reality way and peter now did it verse 18 it was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire that had made that they had a fire they had made to keep them warm peter also was standing with them warming himself he's with the people that just arrested jesus so the sense of mob has growing he has now watched his leader Jesus willingly give himself over into whatever this system was and whatever it was about to be. And now change scenes for one moment in verse 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I, also, I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, One of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded. Again, think of Jesus allowing himself to be so misunderstood. This is the savior of the world. This is the healer. This is the one who declares the good news, allowing himself to be slapped by someone he created, by someone he's actually laying his life down for. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Such great lengths. Change scenes again into verse 25, back to Peter. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there warming himself. He's around the fire by all the ones that arrested Jesus. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not second denial doubling down on his fear doubling down on his wrong choice my dad always told me every decision is an investment into a direction Peter is now doubling down into his direction denying Jesus isn't it amazing how we do that as humans I wonder what was going on in Peter's heart and mind was he remembering that Jesus prophesied he would do this was he knowing oh the Lord told me I would do this. I'm doing it. I wish I wasn't, yet I'm still doing it. Who knows? Nonetheless, he was going down that path and then he did it again. Look at verse 26. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. Catch that. So, a family member of the person that Peter just cut off their ear <laughs> rises up and challenged him. So that now they're kind of getting in his face. Didn't I see you with them in the garden? Another way of saying it aren't you the one that cut off my cousin's ear? And again, Peter denied it. And in Matthew 26, we see furthermore that on that third denial, Peter cursed. And at that moment, the rooster began to crow, just like Jesus had said. There's a pastor by the name of Peter Scazzaro, who's written a whole series of books called The Emotionally Healthy Pastor. Emotionally Healthy Leader, which any of you could read. It's a great book. And the and Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he talks about when he was a young pastor, um, really frustrated, um, really his marriage struggling. He became the kind of person that didn't curse out loud, but cursed in his own mind all the time. He was just like ticked off constantly. Uh, and, and he said, I guess I was just the cursing pastor, but no one knew it. And, I, and he said, I guess there was something wrong in my heart. <laughs> and eventually it got my attention and i've been that person it's kind of like you know a can of soda if it gets shaken up enough eventually if you just open it a tiny little bit it, it it explodes right and and if you're in a situation where you can't afford to actually explode you might just become the cursing pastor internally and i'm the, i know plenty of you guys have done this but but by way of this example it's interesting that it says peter cursed now cursing you know, 2,000 years ago in that culture, very different than what we think of as cursing today in our culture, not the same words. I don't even know exactly what he said there, but I do think that the sentiment is the same. It's that desire to express something stronger and kind of take control of it in some way and just curse the air, you know? Or someone cuts you off and you just curse the air. And the reason this is such good news is because we have Peter here, the one who's literally hanging out with Jesus personally, the one who literally has just denied him 3 times with G- which Jesus prophesied and who soon is going to become the bedrock of the church in the book of acts we have this moment in peter's life and here's the good news jesus is familiar with all of our weakness he would prophesy all your weakness to you before you even live it out like he not only knows what you're struggling with right now he knows where you're headed He knows those high-pressure moments in the future. He's familiar with our weakness, yet he weaves it in as part of his plan. He goes to such great lengths that, that ultimately this gospel, we understand that his strength is perfected in our weakness. He wasn't screaming in Peter's face saying, you better get this together and stop denying me before you have a chance to follow me. Peter was with him the whole time. Jesus, we're going to study this, comes back and fully restores Peter. We see this theme all throughout scripture as God's heart. Us running from God and him running towards us. Number five, another way to say it. While you were going to great lengths to run from God, he was going to greater lengths to get you back. And this is just always true. It's true in your life right now. Anything you may be doing to run and hide, any poor decisions you may be making, he chases after you. He's the God who pursues you. Scripture says that while we are still sinners, Jesus died for us. There's this song that I heard the lyrics to this week. May your struggles keep you near the cross. May your troubles show you that you need God. May your battles end the way they should. May your bad days prove that God is good. your whole life prove that god is good i would say peter had a pretty bad day when he denied jesus three times and cursed at people about it but his bad day proves that god is good his bad day proves the great lengths that jesus has gone to to bring us towards himself we delight in the story of peter because we find ourselves in it there's no need for us to say oh peter is awesome nope jesus is awesome Peter is like us. You were like you, I am like me, we're together. It's not an excuse for sin. God calls us to holiness. But he catches us right in the middle of our reality and draws us toward himself. What good news. Just a few weeks after that, this story, Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit and becomes the rock on which Jesus builds the church. He preaches the first sermon at the birth of the church. It's more like an explanation and 3,000 people get saved and it's off to the races. That's Peter. Right now, he's denying Jesus. And he so didn't understand God's will that he cut off someone's ear. I can't tell you how many people are paralyzed in fear about missing God's will. And I'm like, hey, God is with you. He can stop you if he needs to. Just make some choices. Peter cut off someone's ear. Peter was in his inner three. He so misunderstood God's will that he cut off a dude's ear, got rebuked by Jesus, then denied him three times. Yet he still ended up right where God wanted him. God can give you a no if he needs to give you a no. God can pull you out of the situation you're in. You can live your life and make choices. Don't live paralyzed in fear about missing God's will. Bring your heart to him, walk with him, pursue him, follow him. He'll rebuke you when he needs to. He probably will. We all make wrong choices. I love the, the, the reality of humanity. Bless you in the midst of all this. Change scenes again. Back to Jesus before Pilate. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. That was Pilate. By now, it was early morning. And let me just stop for a second. Pilate was the leader of this whole area. So he's now being brought before the big dog. And by now, it was early morning. So they're tired. It's been all night. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate asked, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. In other words, Pilate was not a Jew. And he was saying, okay, Jewish people, take Jesus, one of yours, and judge him. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. And this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. They made their goal clear. They wanted Jesus executed at this point. Verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, My servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Further evidence that Jesus is going willingly. And what a scene we're looking at right here. The leader of this Roman province face to face with the leader of the kingdom of heaven, king of kings and Lord of lords. "'You are a king then,' said Pilate. Jesus answered, "'You say that I am a king, in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. And that word retorted, it means to reply with a sharp, angry, or defensive tone. So there was some sense of Pilate replying to him, but well, what are you talking about? What even is truth? Number six. Jesus speaks only the truth. Satan wants you to scoff at the truth of God and declare yourself the arbitrator of truth. And this has been the plan of the enemy from day one. In the garden of Eden, the enemy comes to them as a serpent and said, God is holding out on you. Did God really say this? You should determine what you need and take care of yourself. When Jesus himself was being tempted in the wilderness, Satan came to him and said, did God really say this? If you really are the son of God, then do this, this, and this. The enemy always comes and brings question in our mind about what God has said and wants to set us up as our own arbitrators, our own decision makers for what is right and what is wrong. So what's happening in our culture, you know, the attack on truth. We are in contested space in our world right now. Everything is a battle for what is true no one knows what to believe and we should not erroneously think that this is new it's the same age-old battle since the very beginning there is only one truth and it's the truth of God period no one can change that truth that truth cannot be adjusted it is the truth it will always be the truth I have had people speak the truth in love to me and sensed that scoff in my own heart and spirit have you guys ever experienced that that kind of defensive when someone speaks in your life and it just reads your mail and i want to encourage you delight in seeking the truth of god being you're not an honest seeker until you're saying god i humble myself teach me what is right you're not an honest seeker to say lord I, i've tried all this i don't really know i want to know your truth so so the truth is unchangeable and and we don't have to be afraid of what's happening in our culture trying to redefine truth and of course the culture has the phrase what is your truth and let me just encourage you pastorally we don't have to be even afraid of that phrase we don't have to be the defenders of truth of god he can handle it and if someone is talking to you and declaring this is my truth and using it as a weapon against you you don't have to fight them i would encourage you to reinterpret it as they're trying to express their experience they're trying to express this is my experience this is what has happened to me and sit compassionately with them and hear their story because their experience is different from your experience and it's good to say i don't know your experience so so let me sit with you and listen and walk with you and become a part of your life i'd love to introduce you to the truth his name is jesus do you get what i'm saying like we don't have to be we don't have to make the same mistake peter made and when we feel like if we ever feel like Jesus is losing the grip on his own church, <laughs> if, G- if God is losing the grip on his own plan, we don't have to rise up and get a sword and start cutting people's heads off. And there's lots of like Christians out there cutting people's heads off right now. And that, I'm not saying we don't engage in spiritual war. We are in spiritual war. We stand for truth. We fight. But our fight is not against flesh and blood. Our fight against his principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Period. So, we, so if we want to actually minister to people, if we want to actually reach people, we don't pick up a sword and swing it at them. We sit with them and listen to their experience. You get what I'm saying? Just a little pastoral moment that I wanted to coach you on. Um, talk about youth. I love our youth. I'm, I'm walking with our youth right now. I love the youth of our culture. And if, if we, every time the youth tries to use a phrase with us, fight them on just the phrase, we're going to lose the battle every time. Just sit with them in the language they use, listen, and walk, and move them towards the truth, Jesus. You guys tracking with me on all that? Let's finish the text with this, and I'm at the verse 38b, so the end of verse 38. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. And we learn from Barabbas in other accounts of this story that he was a notorious prisoner who was a part of all kinds of murderous insurrections. And the people said, keep Jesus, kill him, which we're going to see as we get into next week, going into chapter 19, give us and free Barabbas. It just makes no sense. It's tragic, and Jesus just allows it to happen. Number seven in your notes, and we'll close with this. The hatred of Jesus and evil done to him makes no sense. But heaven had a purpose. It just doesn't make sense. I, would, I will still wrestle with the Lord to this day. Does this have to be the way? This has to be the path to salvation? this kind of suffering and jesus is like yes (laughs) and why these great lengths for you i'm going to close with this story we were at the beach a few weeks ago ending our vacation virginia beach i have four kids between five and 14. my son is five and he's rambunctious i'll put it that way he needs the lord i'll just say that way a crew from our family I had all my nephews and nieces there my brother my little brother and sister my parents so 18 of us went and started looking for sh- shells and they walked really far away Clay decided not to go but then a little bit later in the day that crew was still gone I had no idea where they were on the beach Clay was standing right with me and then all of a sudden he wasn't any parents know what I'm talking about yeah. he was just gone yeah. I'm in the middle of a crowded beach in Virginia Beach Virginia and Jess I'm trying to remember were you were you with me at that moment or not You with Ness in the ocean so jess was not with me novi you were with me so novi was standing there and we were literally talking to clay and then he was gone it was like a magic trick so we're like okay i did my quick scan for where's clay didn't see him so i immediately went on red alert father mode i don't start yelling but i immediately commissioned novi i think kenzie might have been around i can't remember kenzie wasn't novi's 14 so i said novi starting the beach, I, I went to the people sitting around us that we didn't know, and I said, hey, my five-year-old Clay's been sitting here, we don't see him, do you see him anywhere? I scanned the back of the beach by the boardwalk to see if someone was running away with a little boy in their arms, you know what I mean? I mean, you laugh, but seriously, that's where we go mentally right away, because kids get kidnapped. And I'm, I went into that mode full on. I was about to go to the lifeguard, we weren't right next to the lifeguard, or I would have told them right away. I mean, I was locked in, thankfully, um, It felt, of course, like an eternity anytime that happens. But thankfully, we eventually realized that Clay noticed our seashell adventure crew was slowly making their way back. They were probably still 100, maybe 150 yards away. And he just decided to book it to them because he saw them. Now, of course, there's, you know, a thousand people between us and them. But he was over there just playing in the sand with seashells. We eventually found him. He was safe. We were okay. But i tell you what. I was willing to go to any length necessary to find my son. And if I wouldn't have found him, I would have still be, right now, I would not be here. I don't know what I'd be doing. I would be doing everything I could possibly do to find my son. My life doesn't continue until I find my son, period. And I, 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 I can't imagine families that go through this. And, and not just that, I'd be delighting that my, my three daughters were with me, uh, but I would be on a full mission to find my son. And the same would be true. Same thing happened when Novi was the same age in a water park. Um, my whole life would be to go to such great lengths until they are home. And when you see parents that have lost children, that, that were never found, their life is never the same. It's, it's insanely tragic, they never lose hope, they never stop thinking. And the reason I share that, I know it's an intense topic, is because that's the heart of a parent. That's the heart of a father, and as we study such great lengths, this whole thing that Jesus allows himself to go through, he's now getting slapped, he's now getting bound, he's now getting questioned. Every word he's spoken is twisted and thrown at him, he, he allows it and, and he's about to get into much, much worse, suffering physically and the weight of all the sin in the world. Why does he do all this? Because he lost some children. You. all of these great lengths are because God, our Father, says, I won't rest until I do everything I can to bring my children home. That's the whole heart of God. That's why we're here. And if you're not home in His arms right now, you can come home today. His whole life is to get you home. If you are home in His arms right now, I rejoice with you, but guess what? Not all our siblings are here. We can't just have comfortable church because we like it and forget that God loves us and loves our neighbor. And God's entire mission for the church is to continue the work of Jesus on the earth to seek and save the lost. We are not here starting clubs. We are not here patting each other on the back. We are on a mission from God. And I just want to encourage you, as we go into the fall, as we go into this next season as a church, let him put people on your heart right now, lost sons and daughters, that he sent your way for you to bring into the family of God. Worship team, can you come on up? Let's close our eyes and pray. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, and you're just not sure about what your eternity is going to be, You know you've been running, and God is just speaking to you, and now is your moment. Tell him right now, with all the eyes closed in the house. And you can raise your hand if you want me to know. Tell him right now, I want to know you, Jesus. Tell him I want to follow you. Forgive me for where I've fallen short. Thank you that you pursue me and go to such great lengths that I will be with you. I commit my life to you. If you're here and you're in the arms of the Lord, I rejoice with you. It's hard to stay in the arms of the Lord, and, and we have growth to do in the arms of the Lord. We, we need to grow in, in holiness, grow in the fruit of the Spirit, grow in wisdom and stature before the Lord. But as we do that, Lord, forgive us for sometimes forgetting that you're on a mission to bring back our brothers and our sisters. There's kids out there in the middle of suffering and hurt and lostness that are locking arms with us every day that need us to invite them into the family it doesn't matter if they say all the right words and post the right things on social media they might even name a church but god we know that the same suffering exists the same brokenness the same fear the same shame the same addiction The same evil one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy us is happening all around us every day. So God, open our eyes to be the ones to offer hope. It's so simple. Open our eyes. I think of the youth that are here. I thank you for the high schoolers and the middle schoolers that are in the room right now. Open their eyes to be the ones who can bring hope. It's so amazing, Lord, when we step into being a part of what you are doing, it helps us make sense of our own life so much more. It's not all about us. It's not all about our problems. We know you care about every single thing going on in us, but you also want to get our attention off of us and onto loving others. For the mom and the dad that live in a neighborhood here that have never given a passing thought to their neighbors or what's going on in their life or coworkers, or other parents from the school, or could even be their own family members. God, awaken our hearts to burn for what your heart burns for. God, we, we, we say yes to being workers in your harvest. You said, I need people to come bring my children home. We say yes to it as a church.
0: All my life you have been so, so good every breath that I am able, I will see of the goodness of God.
1: Before I pray this benediction, sorry to take that away from you. He like went up as if he's going to sing it again and then I was like, nope, let me just talk for a second. We'll come back to that. <laughs> I want to give you just an image. We'll sing that closing note so we can all rest. And then living in the tension. <laughs> we're living in the tension right now. I want to give you an image that just came into my mind. It may be from the Lord. I don't know. It's not meant to be condemnation, but it is a bit of a slap in the face. Let me give it to you. I don't want to be a Christian that stands and sings this song, all my life you've been faithful, week after week after week after month after year after year delighting in the presence of God, thanking Him, worshiping Him, but with such a closed view that I ignore the suffering person right next to me. I just don't want to be that Christian. I could spend a whole life doing that. It's hard to get through weeks. It's hard to find time to care about other people. I get it. It's hard to give of ourselves. It's hard to open up our lives more. I totally get it but let's just be committed to not being a church that just sings this song amongst ourselves for the next 20 years. Yes, let's sing this song. Let's pour out our gratitude to God, but let's bring people into it like like we don't have a lot of time left, because we don't. You guys tracking with me on that? Let's sing that end one more time so we can rest, and then I'll close this benediction
0: of the goodness I, oh, twice. Yeah. I will sing. of the goodness
1: of God Oh, it feels so good. Amen. I had to test you there. <laughs> Youth, I'll see you guys tonight. Bring some friends out. It's going to be awesome. Uh, if you'd like to come help out our awesome team, just let me know. Um we have all kinds of ways to connect, meet some people before you go. Let me pray this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great day.